Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 122. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, guys. Welcome Hello. back. So, we just had uh, an, a photo shoot that took place at Heidi Ho Comics in Santa Monica. Yes. Um, and it was pretty awesome. I'd like to thank um, uh, Mackenzie uh, for taking our pictures. She um, made us feel like models. <laughs> I, I felt like top model, like trying to smile with my eyes. <laughs> the um, only thing that was missing was the black boa. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Next time I'll bring one. <laughs> but yeah, no, I had a great time. It was great, like, just hanging out with you girls and stuff. Uh, the only thing I regret was not having coffee beforehand. Oh, cause, yeah, because it was so early. Yeah, it was an early mm -hmm. Sunday. So, um, yes, it was, uh, it was a really big reach for me. How about you guys? <laughs> I'm up um, between four and five. Actually, four and seven. Seven is getting up late. This morning, I woke up at five which was good because the last couple of days I've been waking up at 3.30 because um, apparently when I'm stressed out, I don't sleep. So I don't uh -oh. sleep and I eat crappy. So that's a really bad combination. But this morning I woke up at a decent time, which is five o'clock. I, I felt pretty rested. So nine o'clock was not early for me. <laughs> show off. You're such a show off. What about Honestly, you, Jen? Well, I, okay. So I need multiple alarms to wake up. Uh, one to be like, uh, and I said this earlier too, one to realize consciousness. I mean, yeah, I get, I'm, I'm a human being. And then I go back to sleep and then I have another alarm set for 10 o'clock uh, to be like, okay, I'm getting up now and being a human being. Um, uh, and so how did that two alarm system work this morning when you had to actually be somewhere at nine? <laughs> um it didn't <laughs> uh sarah was running late and i woke up like uh i woke up at seven and i was and i was like i'm awake and i need to get up for something and like i was just laying in bed going i need to get up i need to get up i need to get up but i was just like Ugh. but at the same time i was just like is this real or am i dreaming <laughs> and then and then once it hit eight o'clock i was just like all right i need to get up And I did get up. So it was the two alarm system did not work this time. <laughs> yeah, I would have funny. needed a three alarm system for this. You know, it did work for me. I, um, it worked for me where I had one alarm go off so that just to let me know that I'm, I have to be somewhere. And then the second one was, you better get up now or else you're going to be late. And then I had an alarm. You better be out the door at this time. Um, but I was still packing my stuff. Because, you know, I pack, I overpack, you know, wardrobe change. And so, I, so I'm calling Jen and I'm like, I'm running late. I'm just going to call her to just warn her so she knows, mm -hmm. right? But when she didn't answer the phone, I was like, oh, no, she's asleep. <laughs> But it turns out she was in the shower. So it was good. So, yeah, it worked out, actually. I, I kept calling it costume changes. I kept telling Eddie, <laughs> we're going to have costume changes. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It was fun. I can't. She, did she say she was sending us a link or something? I believe so. Yes. Oh, she's okay. sending a link of all the pictures. Yeah. I nice. Think like she did oh, okay. Time. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. 
All right, guys. Now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, give us some juicy chisme. Okay. This chisme has me very upset. I'm not sure that I like it, but I definitely am curious. So, apparently, uh, Jason Momoa is going to begin filming Aquaman 2 here pretty soon. Now, that could actually also be something I'm upset about because I could not (laughs) watch Aquaman 1 for the life of me. And Aquaman is like my favorite DC character. For those new listeners, you do not know the history of me and Aquaman. He was my elementary school boyfriend. I used to kiss the TV when he would come on the screen when Super Friends was on um, on Saturday mornings. So and Jason Momoa is hot AF. So, I mean, perfect combo. But today, Jason Momoa got on his uh, social media and said that he is going to dye his hair blonde for this iteration of Aquaman. He is going to be a more comic accurate, quote unquote, Arthur Curry. I'm very, very upset about this. <laughs> I, mean, I, cannot, a little bit I is... Was he what? Wasn't he like a little bit like ashy blonde for the first two Aquaman uh, filmings like okay so Aquaman the movie obviously but also like Justice League he oh, was Justice kind of an League. ashy blonde I never watched yeah. Justice League um, oh que la canción so I don't know about <laughs> that I don't think his hair was blonde I, I'm i gonna be real it was, here all the DC movies are a black blur in my mind because I try not to remember them yeah I don't I don't know the answer to that question but i mean aquaman is straight up yellow blonde now when he says he's going blonde (laughs) we don't know what that means maybe he is blonde maybe he is referring to being a little bit like sun bleached brown hair um which could be like a dirty blonde looking uh hair which i don't remember from the first one but to be honest with you i never finished it I kept falling asleep. I retried and retried and restarted and never finished. <laughs> so I'll have to go Aww. back and look. But just the thought of Jason Momoa being blonde <laughs> makes me like shudder. So we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? I, I mean, can't imagine when you're you hot, you're hot. Blonde. So <laughs> that's might true. Look good. Yeah. You might look yeah. good. Yeah, and he has those otherworldly eyes in yes. Aquaman. So uh, maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll create a contrast in his cheekbones uh i don't know but um i mean i'll watch it because i just watch i will watch all dc movies at least once may not ever again but at least once uh but yeah that's uh that's some disturbing news (laughs) all right guys it's now time for on my radar and on my radar this is sarah is i just discovered these three films on netflix it's called fear street Oh, and, I knew you were going to say that when you said three films. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, Fear Street? What a fucking jack- jacked up name. But then I saw, you know how like when you leave it on there, it plays a trailer? Yeah. So I played the trailer. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll give this a chance. So like the first Fear Street movie takes place in 1994. And let me tell you, the soundtrack for that particular movie was out 
fucking standing um and it was gory as fuck so it, it had my attention and then part two takes place in 1978 and they're at a like a, a, a sleepaway camp sort of or like anyway they're at a camp and you know like there's sex and drugs and then it's in the 70s it was never sex and drugs at my camps what i went to the wrong you, camp you did oh you actually out. in college i was a camp counselor and some of the other camp counselors got fired because they were smoking pot in the woods. <gasps> See, there were there were drugs. <laughs> yeah, were, there were drugs. Were just, like, um, when you became the counselor instead of the yeah. camp, campy. But um, that soundtrack is also really, really good. I really loved. Oh my god! I just want to say thank you to whoever has the rights to David Bowie songs. Because uh, for, you know, like for a long time, you have to have like a permission to use certain songs in certain movies. So I'm just really, really grateful for whoever has the uh, rights to the David Bowie songs because um, they were in this movie and it just kind of really set the tone for the whole movie. So that was freaking awesome. Part three takes place in 1666. Oh, wow. So you got all these all these uh, ladies. uh with no makeup and the guy's teeth are rotting and they look like they haven't showered in weeks or months and so um yeah and basically the this uh these three movies are about a witch that has cursed the town and and then when she when she writes a name on the stone of a person in the town she pretty much takes over them and she they become like uh serial killers not serial killers but um, what do you call the people that uh, kill a lot of people at once? Serial killers take their time and kill one. Mass murderers? Mass murderers. They turn oh, into I'm mass sure. murderers. Yes. And it's um, and this has been going on for thousands, hundreds, thousands, no, hundreds of years. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe thousands because 1666. Yeah. Okay. Well, so anyway, so it takes you on this journey about this witch and people are like renounce that it exists and it's just a folktale. But it's like the death capital of the world because these these mass murder sprees take place through, throughout history and so um it's really interesting and there is a turning point in part three and i it feels like there's gonna be a part four because i'm already cooked i'm like when is part four coming out because i'm ready like i'm so ready uh, but yes, Fear Street, stream it on Netflix. Nice. All, okay. all three, so all three it has parts. nothing to do with Freddy Krueger. Oh, no, it does not. That's why I say oh, okay. it's a very stupid name for like a really complex story. Well, you know, Fear Street used, was a Christopher Pike book back in the day. And so I thought maybe it was like some Christopher Pike trilogy. Mm. Um, but I've been hearing about Fear Street all over friends on Facebook. Um, seeing it and watching it and being like oh my god it's so good or i'm really enjoying this or i'm stuck watching this because i can't look away but i didn't know what it was about so but that sounds interesting yeah yeah definitely it's, and i'm gonna it, ask javi about it because javi is like he's a horror, horror aficionado well let me he tell is. you there's so much gore i just i love it like it's so rated r i'm so here for that <laughs> uh, because i've been i've been really disappointed with these like horror movies or like 
you like you kind of see the killing but you really don't you just see the the blood on the floor and that's it it's like this one you see the fucking gore and i love that there is this one part in the first part that was just like oh my god like my husband went to the restroom and when he came out he came out right when it was happening and he looked at it and he looked at me and we kind of smiled at each other we're like oh my god i can't believe they showed us all the gore it was just great <laughs> it was fabulous i highly recommend it as long as you're not Swedish. All right, Kristen, what time is it? <laughs> it's a very sad hora de la cervecita. <laughs> but <laughs> funny too, because yeah, womp uh... womp. So here, what had happened was <laughs> we all had beer in our respective refrigerators. But somehow, somewhere, and most likely someone <laughs> got a hold of these beers and none of us had the same beer to be able to all review, drink and review the same beer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I mean, I was the first to notice mine were missing and I was like, oh, what a douche. Like, why did, why didn't I take beer to the photo shoot? like it was so easy you were in the car you saw them you could have just Same, taken it yeah and then and then Kristen's like well what are, do you guys have these and I'm like no and we're like oh crap like there could this this segment could have been saved but we didn't think about it because we've had beer in reserve My for so long refrigerator is full of freaking beer and most of it are just single cans that I thought were in the queue ready to drink but apparently <laughs> you guys didn't have it and then i have a whole bunch in there that i bought that i just haven't given to you guys so right yeah yeah i also have stuff that i bought that i haven't given to you guys but uh because you guys were like we got to finish what we got and i was like well you know I'll just wait we're gonna record yeah um it, yeah some uh, next next week i think we're recording um in studio big news big mm -hmm. cheese man but um yeah so uh yeah so unfortunately, guys, we're very, very sorry. There is Hora de la Cervecita has been canceled for today. It's, only it's, for today. <laughs> only for today. Yeah. Now we're bringing it back big time next time. But uh, yes, for now it is canceled. So we apologize for that. Yeah. So perhaps. No, no, we can't do anything about it. It's it's canceled. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today, we are reviewing um, uh, Mañana. And uh, Mañana is a Latinx, it's a comics anthology specifically uh, by Latinx creators, uh, all focused on, like, the future or like not like the distant future but also the not so distant future but mañana is a latinx comics from the 25th century and it is published by pnm press and this was originally a kickstarter and i actually this is the digital copy of the book because i have not received the physical copy of the book yet but um, um it is it was edited and designed by juanit gil and he's the one who also like launched the kickstarter and everything uh and a lot of the proceeds went to the creators themselves 
and it was published in English and Spanish. Um, um, and, um, um, so we will be doing the English version because sometimes for some of us, the reading in Spanish is not up to par yet. So there's actually a, a page here in the book that says introducing mañana. And um, it's very interesting because science fiction is generally like, I guess I enjoy it, but it's not generally <laughs> my go-to. Um, but it, it says science fiction at its best predicts humanity's problems and presents imaginative solutions. Uh, and mañana was first conceived when um, the creator began to feel hopeless about the future of Latin American people and their descendants in the United States. The struggles that they face today have their roots deep in the past, dating back to colonization and the transatlantic slave trade. And he wondered what those ancestors saw when they tried to imagine their future or if they saw one at all. And then it says, as it turns out, we are that future. I thought that was like very, very poignant and like very like, that was very powerful um, yeah. because every single one of us come from stories of um, immigration and migration. So I thought that was really cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. Um, so like, I think futuristic, like Latinx storytelling, I was first introduced with, was with the anthology for, uh, uh, reconstruction I believe so um, it was something that I definitely have to wrap my head around but um, but I really really enjoyed this book so um, and I'm it, ready to talk about it it is nothing to sneeze at this mfr was 299 pages long <laughs> and it, had, it sure was and it I had mean, you 27 got stories worth mm. with this thing yeah, how many oh, stories? Oh, absolutely. Jen? It has uh twenty-seven stories. That's what I was doing. I was counting how many stories that were in wow. there, and they're all like, like uh, like pretty. Like they, they would all make a decent yes. like, one shot. They were all substantial. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very hefty. Like I'm pretty sure, like if when I get the physical copy, it's going to be a very hefty book. Yes. Um. Um. But each one was uh, each story was good in its in its own way as well. Mm -hmm. um, we start off one of the with one of the stories being uh, in the year twenty thirty six, and uh, it follows uh, like an an astronaut uh, making the first journey to through hyperspace. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, ma major. Uh -huh. Major Tomas. I know. I loved that. Yeah, that was so cool. It was, and it's like, and it was, um, um, it was really fun because he, like, he, he, like, has like some regrets as soon as he's like he's about to launch, and he's just like, no, never mind, I don't want to go. But they're like, yep, sorry, dude, we've already initiated. You gotta go. Uh, and he goes, and it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be a ten year journey, um, uh like mm -hmm. to go yes. and then to come back um uh, yeah so some but... of his regret was due because he has a girlfriend mm -hmm. and um i then uh the things that she said like a day before the launch uh made him really like doubt himself when he was in the cockpit cockpit and so that's why he was like reluctant to want to go but had already initiated the launch 
Um, but you see growth in this character in his trip into outer space, which I really, really loved. And in, in a small span of a few pages, they were able to give us like, like a real growth in Major Tomas's, um, I guess, just his confidence level. Yeah, I mean, if you're like going to be the first person to go on like a journey through um, uh, a first for humanity, I think you have to be a little cocky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was it was I think it was a good fun story to um uh, to begin with and it uh, showed potential because it was uh, it was not like not too far into like to the into the future where you could see like yeah man like we could like there's people are already trying to like make sci-fi into reality and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um uh like it wasn't so long ago that people thought Zoom calls or like just video conferences over the internet were impossible. That was like 30 years ago. We you... were just talking about something like that, about how uh -huh. when Eddie and I first started selling on eBay, we mm -hmm. had to take pictures with 35 millimeter film, have it developed, wait a week, get the pictures back, scan the pictures. And the scanner was like high tech, like it was so cool scan the pictures, and then list them on eBay. <laughs> wow. Are you serious? Wow. Is that really how it used to be? That is how we used to do it, yes. Wow. Oh, my God. And now you can just take a picture from your phone and upload mm -hmm. it. Yes. Wow. Yep. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. When I think about when I think about our Zoom meetings, I think about the Jetsons. That's what I think about. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Omar Morales writes Major Tomas, and he's actually going to launch a Kickstarter for Major Tomas. Oh, uh, they're working on the pages right now. Yeah. Um, it, uh, he's working a really a really talented artist, and I'm already like I I've seen one of the first few uh picture uh drawings for the first few pages and it looks really really amazing so uh, we're going to be seeing more of Major Tomas so keep an eye out for that one of the ones that I was like totally in love with was A Little, es a Little Esperanza by mm -hmm. Jamila Roser and Mandy Gonzalez and that one is where they were um, they were talking about Cuba and how everybody was living underground no, no, I'm sorry, Puerto Rico. And everybody was living underground and they were prosperous and, you know, it's way in the future. And uh, they were talking about how they all were uh, living. Well, basically, it's a little girl. We follow a little girl because it's her birthday. And um, so she's her mom is like working in a botanical laboratory. And for her birthday, um, they su they surprise her with the scavenger hunt. And at the end of the scavenger hunt, uh, she ends up at her mom's lab. And they were trying to recreate what um, Puerto Rico looked like before mm -hmm. all the hurricanes and stuff. So we're seeing this really wonderful story. And it's so lovely. And then oh my god i'm cheering up guys uh, but at the <laughs> end at the the very last page you see the surface and you see the tornadoes and like the hurricanes i guess hurricanes because it's an island you see the hurricanes ravaging and then you see the the title of the story is a little esperanza and it just that just kind of made me a little sad so but it was just a beautifully drawn beautifully told story with this like beautiful like wide-eyed kid kind of like sensation throughout the story it was just really moving for me that was one mm -hmm. of the ones that were was really moving 
That one was really good. But we have great writers like Pan de Bono by Julio Anta. He's the one that is writing home right now that you can get. Uh -huh. uh, I think it's on issue three or four. We have is uh, Emisaria by Terry Blas. He is writing Reptil. Uh, we have Kat Fajardo. Uh, so we have a lot of amazing talent here. Um, a Dream of a Thousand Stars was also really amazing. But um, another one um, that was really like, just really amazing to me was the one with the water. Uh, there was a wa kind of a water spirit. Uh, that oh, one was really yeah, good. that one was nice. Yeah. yeah. But I really, you know what? I really like Pan de Bono by Julio Anta because um, in this story, in the future, they invented like a, a vitamin that you could take that gave you everything you needed to like survive. So like all your calories, all your vitamins and everything. So basically cooking became obsolete. And um, so he decided because he was talking to his grandmother and he decided to like cook this pan de bono, which is, I think, bread with like mozzarella cheese inside that you bake. Mm. And so the grandmother went to the basement to like, you know, um, unwrap her like old, old uh, stove with the oven. And he went on a mission to find ingredients because obviously they don't they no longer have yeah. eggs because, you know, they don't need to consume eggs so he went to like this little island where he found out that uh feral chickens uh <laughs> lived <laughs> and stuck around and then he stole some eggs and it, it was just it was funny in the way that they were drawn because it was kind of comedy but it was just really a heartfelt story to th told throughout the story so like i really really enjoyed that mm -hmm. and it was, it was really funny because we had um uh, today me and sarah went to El Cholo to uh, grab food because we were so hungry and I had told Sarah that if when I think about eating I try not to think about it too much because I'm just like we really are so extra we couldn't have just been like I'm just gonna eat this unseasoned meat and like sustain off of this um, uh, like cooking the like it didn't need to be this elaborate thing that we do but it is an elaborate thing and if it isn't done the right way I won't fucking eat it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely there was one story that really stuck out well there was a couple but one that stuck out to me was it's called the alpha decision where uh basically we the civilization is at a point in time where you die your conscience consciousness can live on forever without any wants or needs or anything and it's but it's your decision of whether or not you want to exist in this realm. And it's completely digital because, I mean, just like we were just uh, one, there was a million wonders that have happened since I had to take pictures with 35 millimeter film. <laughs> uh, apparently society has advanced enough that your consciousness can exist uh, without your corporal body, but it's not permanent. You get a trial, you get a week there to try it out um and uh you get to decide whether or not you want to stay there or whether or not you want your quote-unquote final death and it was a story about this dude who was just like trying to make that transition but like all the things in his real life that he was able to do he couldn't do and he kind of missed it and it was 
it was really interesting to see the story unfold and to to see him like uh kind of being sad at the fact that he got to live forever but not really enjoy things like you you don't have to eat you don't have to drink you don't have to do anything you just exist Mm -hmm. and I won't do a spoiler for the the end of the story but one thing that I found funny is that um the bartender he went to the the a bar and he was just kind of like there like sad and uh he he was like the bartender's like well can I help you what's wrong? I want to talk to you. And he's like, um, I used to be a psychiatrist in my other life. I'm a bartender here because um, it comes there. They gave him a way to, to basically be his old profession in his new life. <laughs> he, was a, he was a psychologist, but in, in this uh, afterlife, he was a bartender. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought the end was so beautifully yeah. done. Like, I don't, yeah. like I said, I don't want to spoil it, but it was just so good so good yeah. um another one that stuck uh was belen and nulpi um mm-hmm. the uh the the girlfriends they um th- and this is where what we mean by latinidad this, uh, because i'm reading the story and i'm not sure where it's taking place right but then in part in the drawing there was a, a mate Mate is a drink that they drink in, in Argentina and in Chile también. But I saw that con el matero and la bombilla. And I was like, hey, this is mate. This this must be in Argentina. And then further down in the story, they said Las Pampas. We're going to Las Pampas. And I was like, what is that? So I had to look that up. And it turns out, yes, it was Argentina. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, snaps. Like, I yeah. picked it up. I know what's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, no. but no, it was beautiful. That that one I really loved the art for. For it was really really beautiful, um, mm. and that was really fun. And that one I thought was super cool because the girlfriend went to visit her her girlfriend's mom, and um, I liked the part where she's like giving her an apple, and she's like, "You've never had this. This is an apple." And she's like looking at. She's like, "What do I do?" She's like, "You could just bite into it." And I was like, "Aw, cute." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, overall, yeah. The, the anthology was great. And I think it captured the best of science fiction. And honestly, why I like it so much, too, is the fact is now I have an entire repertoire of people who, yes. write, who are Latinx and who write sci-fi. And not only that, it's just I love science fiction and fantasy. But science fiction, mainstream science fiction and fantasy has a very big problem of being extremely liked. Uh, and it's... and not only like extremely white but also like kind of like white supremacist vibes and stuff like that that is like that a lot of people are like oh no these are just tropes i'm just like no you need to look at your tropes and you need to examine what it is that you see right here like you're telling me out of the entire universe Mm -hmm. it's only white people who are in charge and then Mm -hmm. everybody else is a second class citizen like you gotta you have to examine things like that that's not a trope that's racism (laughs) and a lot of science fiction, a lot, uh, what I've noticed is that a lot of science fiction and fantasy, uh, like, they do that and they don't really, they try to be like, oh, like, there's like, there's like no race here or whatever, stuff like that. And I was just all like, 
Ah, yes. These fantasy creatures who are being discriminated against, you're saying is not real racism when there's just like a barely substance, like you would rather write about these fake creatures and in racism uh, in this weird fantasy vibes. But all of us, but Lord forbid, if you put in a black or brown person and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, sorry, those races don't exist here in this fantasy world. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, right. uh, uh, it's it's why I can't really get into very mainstream popular uh, sci-fi fantasy stuff because it's always it's all like that and mm-hmm. I'm like I'm tired of this like I love this genre so much but man does this genre not love me um, um, <laughs> well but... I mean when I saw Edward James almost in Battlestar Galactica I was like yes finally yes. finally <laughs> mm-hmm Yep. So So, along with what you were saying, Jen, um, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing because at the end of the book, there is um, a very extensive and long list of creators that give a short synopsis of what they are, have worked on professionally, and then also their social media um, links. And so I thought the same thing. I was like, we have a huge list here of Latinx creators that we are going to be able to just look at um, this, these last pages and just go one by one because they've all worked on other things. And so I really, uh, I really loved that. Like there, there were so many uh, in the back and um, I honestly can't wait to see what else we discover by um, the things that they've done. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really helpful when you put in an anthology like the social media links for us to for anyone to follow. So um, I really greatly enjoyed this book. So are we ready to actually rate it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was definitely uh, a, a very large uh, book, a lot of content, and I really appreciate that, and a lot of amazing talent on it. And that's what I love about these anthologies: is you get like a lot of content from a lot of different creators and artists, um, and it's sort of like um, an explosion of talent that you can read and just enjoy. So, um, this one in particular, like sci-fi in the Latinx community, is something that like I've been kind of leaning more towards I'm like this is one of the steps for me to actually really enjoy this so uh this is Sarah and I'm giving it tres conchas and a cup of champurrado so this is Kristen and like I said um I feel like I don't really lean towards sci-fi but when I look at things like I've always preferred Star Trek over Star Wars um I used to love uh, what other what are some other sci-fi TV shows that used to come out when I was a kid, like Battlestar Galactica? I loved all those kinds of things. So I guess I just never used. I mean, I, I read a lot, but I don't think I've ever really read sci-fi books. Um, so um, I really am enjoying this like introduction into uh, sci-fi, but written by Latinx creators. And so um, I loved all of the stories. I really enjoyed uh, reading the back uh, matter of all the creators and being introduced to all of these creators. And I just love that there was so much support behind this book uh, on Kickstarter that not only was it able to be printed in English, but also in Spanish. So um, I am giving it uh, tres conchas and definitely recommend that you all um, 
find it out there and read it as well. Is it available now um, somewhere? It is not. Um, uh, Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure you could purchase a digital copy. Um, They don't have any. Oh, actually, you know what? You actually can uh, at the Power and Magic Press website. Okay, Um, cool. uh, You can, I believe, get, is it a physical copy? Okay, they haven't, I don't think they've put it up yet, but um, uh, you can go to the uh, powerandmagicpress.com and um, uh, probably grab a copy from there. And they have like a bunch of other stuff right there. Uh, Let's see here. Okay. All right, they don't have it up yet, but it should be available on their website, uh, Power and Magic Press. But um, um, it's it's slated to be able to be pre-ordered, uh, just not oh, okay, yet. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. And what's your rating, Jen? Oh, yes. So my rating is also going to be Tres Conchas and a Cup of Chapurrado. It is, uh, I think it's an incredible book, and I think... Um, uh, the fact that they were able to put something like this together was a great endeavor and it got like a lot of backing so there is a hunger for this there is yeah. a there people want to read stuff like this because i mean like i like i like star wars and star trek and i've read a bunch of like uh like sci-fi fantasy books i've read dune i've read um, um ready player one with all the regrets that that came with uh, <laughs> i've read uh red rising and like uh, if i basically read most of sci-fi uh fantasy that i can get my hands on and some that i regret getting my hands on um, um <laughs> but uh definitely this is um now one amongst one of my favorites and if somebody ever like recommended uh, told asked me for a recommendation i'd be like here you go bam mañana nice yeah yeah definitely i mean and there's so many so many other stories that we didn't get to talk about uh but please do pick it up please do find it on the website because it is definitely worth it and that has been our book review all right guys it's time for in la libreria jen what do you have for us today so today i have for you black vans an lgbt queer poc cyberpunk superhero comic oh wow that's yes. a lot <laughs> yeah so it's basically a sci-fi cyberpunk superhero comic with queer uh people of color leads and just looking at the the thing that they have right here it looks so funny because you see someone and they have like this really like futuristic arm glove thing uh but he's very visibly a brown man and he has like a backpack and like with a soda can on it. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that's me in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, just to give you the synopsis, Black Vans is a comic book a cy- of, that features cyber com- superhero mashup, a strange tale about pharmaceutical companies run amok in a future Philadelphia where hackers provide intel, communications, and surveillance for the slowly disappearing superhero community. The hackers, called EQs, are a wild bunch. They fall along the queer LGBT spectrum, their ranks reflecting the ethnic diversity of the city they're from and of the world. 
Lead character Bo is a plus-size gay bear of Afro-Latino descent who always seems to be messing up. I'm when it's in! Time, <laughs> when it's his time to step up and save the day, will he answer the call? Under the ever-present eye of tech pharmaceutical maven Goron Gale, a sinister, somewhat mysterious mogul whose presence casts a dark cloud over future Philly, and when his uh, super wild star disappears, Will Bo be able to galvanize the EQ hacker community to find out where all the heroes went? This book is a weird, political, noisy, and an absolute blast. And the art is very, it's very bright, very pastel-y. And kind of neon. Yeah, and kind of neon, too. So it's, I think it captures a lot of, like, you know, the cyberpunk classics, but also makes them, like, very bright. And it's actually, it's already hit its goal of $12,000. It's currently at $14,876 with 323 backers and 11 days to go. And the base pledge starts off at $12 uh, where you get a copy of Black Vans and uh, postage paid. So it's basically, it's uh, it's the book. It's a pre-order for the book uh, with uh, the shipping included in the $12. At $30, you can get a copy of Black Vans a uh, print pack with two Black Vans action prints. And then there's a $50 one where you get all of the before as well as character stickers. And then they have, uh, this is like a retailer kind of one. It says just the comics. Uh, and it's at $50 and you get four copies of Black Vans. And it's gonna the book is going to be about 30 pages each for oh, wow. $50. Um, uh, and then it keeps increasing from there, but those are mostly like the real, the really big ones. Uh, and then you can, of course, pledge without uh, receiving anything. You just want to support uh, the project. Uh, so go ahead, check it out. Black Vans uh, on Kickstarter. Yeah, the character that the drawing, it looks like a, a male version of myself. So, <laughs> so I, I'm in. I'm totally in. All right, guys, it is time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Okay, so today I have uh, an art organization called the Arts for Healing and Justice. And this is an organization that is located in Long Beach. So it is here local to California, Los Angeles area. And um, uh Arts for Healing and Justice, or AHN, utilizes arts as a youth, uh, sorry, <laughs> utilizes arts as a vehicle to heal the youth that they work with and change the systems that they serve. Uh, AHN is an interdisciplinary collaborative that provides exceptional arts programming in order to build resiliency and wellness, eliminate recidivism, and transform the juvenile justice system. They envision a future where youth are empowered and the systems that serve them are transformed by using arts as a foundational strategy and catalyst for change. Um, so it looks like they use art kind of as like a, a healing tool for um, the youth that they work with who are um, either in uh, detention centers in LA County or um, probably uh, youth that were uh, on, uh, were incarcerated, but then 
um, are on probation. So very similar to some of the stuff that I used to do um, when I worked for an, a similar organization. So um, if you are not aware, um, boys and girls of color uh, are vastly overrepresented within the juvenile justice system. And the factors that contribute to justice involvement have the capacity to create compounding inequity and barriers throughout each youth's life. Trauma, community violence, gang involvement, and poverty are all things that these kids are dealing with and that lead them sometimes to being involved in the juvenile justice system. So AHN uses arts as a healing-centered, strength-based approach, uh, and it gives the youth outlet and voice needed to process the experiences and to use them to heal. So um, some of the things that they do is um, arts education. Um, they train them um, across different uh, or uh, different creative um, uh, disciplines. They advocate for them. Uh, and then they also collaborate with other organizations. So uh, you can go to AHJN network.org and you can look about you can look at the um, website about what they do and then you can also um, probably find a place to donate yep there is a donate page uh here that you can go to and i'm not sure if they have any volunteer opportunities i haven't seen that specifically here on this website but i bet you they do have some uh, volunteer opportunities so um, check them out at ahjnnetwork.org. That is, sounds super awesome. Thanks for sharing really with does. that. Yeah. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to Gabe Chang. Gabe Chang, you guys know, wrote the story for Molly, which is, I believe, four or five issues um, to encompass the whole story. Four. and. Four, four issues. And as you guys know, he has been um, a returning um, guest on our Las Platicas YouTube uh, conversations. And also, he also wrote Into the Wilderness, uh, where we get like a story about one of the dogs that is um, um, that kind of story within the for molly universe so salud goes out to him because he has a kickstarter um a live kickstarter right now kristen can you tell us more about that yes so the kickstarter that he has running right now is for um issues one through four of for molly and he describes for molly as a modern fantasy comic with talking dogs an antisocial talking dog living in the new jersey forest helps an outsider rescue his sister from hidden evil so uh there are um uh, there's a small description says uh it's an action-packed modern fantasy adventure set among the abandoned things in the new jersey forest where talking dogs and off-the-grid humans are precariously coexisted so uh, i remember we've read a couple of issues and we really enjoyed it and this is i guess the first story arc all together uh and uh gabe himself is a um used to be a high school teacher and he moved to los angeles 
specifically to pursue his passion for writing and working in the entertainment industry. And uh, he, we met, uh, he and I at, I think, either Long Beach Comic Con or LA Comic Con back when it was still uh, Stan Lee's Kamikaze. But one of those conventions here local to LA. Uh, and this is his, um, for all of the things that he is involved in, this is his seventh uh, Kickstarter, and he has already 92 backers and 19 days to go. His goal is $10,000, and he's already at uh, almost 3000 So he definitely still needs a lot more support. So if you are interested, go to kickstarter.com and just either search Gabe Chang, C-H-E-N-G, or the comic for Molly. Yes, saludos goes out to you, young man. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of our episode. Where can they find us, girls? I'm feeling severely beard deprived. Me too. <laughs> what a weird like vibe. <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize just like how I'm like a little buzzed after drinking yeah. some of one of our strong beers. And I'm uh -huh. like, I'm missing that. I'm missing my uh, afternoon buzz. I yeah. feel so lost. I'm just going to go drink a bottle of tequila after this. <laughs> well, that's going the opposite extreme. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, they can find us at www.comadresycomics.com. And if you're too lazy to go to the internet, you can find us on your phone on the internet, uh, at, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, sometimes on Snapchat. Uh, you can email us at comadrecomics at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on all of our your favorite, oh, actually only on Apple Podcasts, but you can listen to us on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms we are everywhere <laughs> absolutely we are including on youtube just search comadresi comics and you can see all our wonderful uh guests that have come on our show via zoom uh to talk about their projects and uh, their amazing talent um also we are still looking for enrique rea you have until august 1st to contact <sighs> us uh at comadresi comics at gmail.com you haven't drank that beer yet <laughs> no fortunately uh Fortunately, we got we were able to do an because they're selling them online now, like the cans, the oh, limited okay. can release. They're okay. selling them online, so I was able to get in on a uh, two four packs. So I, I I'm I'm kind of keeping my uh, monkish kind of like monkish taste buds fed throughout well, this time. It's so the only beer um, we've yes, been I'm able looking to keep track of. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, Enrique Rea, please do um, email us at comadrecycomics at gmail.com to claim your prize. And after August 1st, we will be doing a whole new drawing for a whole new different can from Monkish, I believe, or we'll figure it out. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.